You want to pray for us, Josh, and then we'll get rolling. And guys, just so everybody knows, so we're just going to be talking about cross chats. Any questions you have, any thoughts, ideas, the things that maybe you want to know about the way a cross chat should work, what it should look like, how it should function, and that can be anything from getting there and just how it feels to the lessons to interaction to answering questions, anything that you have questions about, that'll work. That'll work. All right. Thanks. Let's pray. Father, thank you for bringing us together today. It's a beautiful day. We know that you have a plan and a purpose for all of us. We know that there's not a stupid question when it comes to wanting to do your will. Please, please help us have courage. Please help us to look to each other as teammates and just constantly feed off of you and the love that, we, that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So Tim has a mic, so whoever, if you want to start with something. Yeah. It's a forum, so you've got to ask questions or we're just going to stare at each other. Or we can try to or we can ask you questions. Ask you questions. <laughs> What, what is something that you find difficult about cross-chat, basically? That would be a good question to start with. Oh, we got one. Yeah, stand sure, up. stand up so everybody can hear yeah. you, please. Stand up. Okay, okay, so integrating whether it's uh, just different groups of people or different backgrounds or different progress on where they are spiritually, two things come to mind. One of the things that first comes to my mind is one of the things that Lynn tried to teach us early on that he would say like 85% of ministry is just showing up. Well, let's say someone shows up that likes, I don't know, Dungeon, I, I don't know, <laughs> rapping, you know, card games or whatever. And the person who is really good at that, they may not be good at other things, but they're really good at that. And you're like, man, that guy, he's awesome. And so-and-so, I just brought my friend, you know, Charlie, he loves this gaming stuff. Hey, have you seen so-and-so? And they aren't there. <laughs> and so uh, part of that is understanding that you don't know what, what God's going to do until you show up and you just have to be open to that but if you if if someone who doesn't show up who has that has that personality that god is bringing pairing someone in advance to show up with it can really start to hinder the the team effort to meet that person that's the first thing that comes to mind the second thing that comes to mind is that if you're in a leadership position or you are mature you are the person to bridge the gap between someone who's unfamiliar with that environment 
you are the one to help them feel calm about being in an atmosphere that they don't necessarily feel comfortable in because chances are it's not just one or two people that are feeling uncomfortable. Almost everybody can feel uncomfortable if it's a large group. Am I right about that? Like if it's a larger... Okay, go ahead. The mic should work. Maybe I should rephrase my question. Yeah, maybe I didn't answer the, maybe okay. I didn't answer the right question. So in our paradigm, I think it, the question is answered, the way we do cross chats is kind of answered by the purpose of cross chats and our people's understanding of it. And what I mean by that is the cross chats are, we don't have to worry about whether or not someone's spiritually mature or not mature because we're dealing with life issues, not depth and knowledge issues of the Bible. And what I mean by that is, is when someone comes in, the whole cross chat lesson is designed to get to their life, not designed to get to like some biblical understanding per se, but more application of it. And so if your cross chat lessons are, are written that way and your people understand their, their role at cross chat isn't to give a spiritual answer. Their role is to be vulnerable and open and honest in a way that shows where they were before God and, and how God has impacted them. That kind of, it melts away those other things because if, if you're sitting in a cross chat and let's say a religious person's there and you're afraid they're gonna feel like this is beneath them, that's kind of what you're saying, right? Yes. Okay, well, the way that you deal with that is when someone else from your ministry who understands the purpose of cross chat starts sharing their story in one of their answers and sharing their hurts, sharing how God's word is applied to that, that will melt away that person's ideas that, they, that this is beneath them because they'll understand, okay, this isn't about a Bible study. And that's really where I think people get screwed up is they, when they think of cross chat, they think it's a Bible study. And really that's not the, what they were designed to do. And if you keep them doing what they're designed to do, I think it deals with that issue on its own. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think um, I was someone who came into my first one as a church, church kid, kind of like thought I was right because I knew a lot of the Bible. But that was the thing that drew me in the most was that it wasn't just a bunch of people sitting around talking about what it said, but people talking about how it, how it was applicable to their life and what they had done with it. And I think anybody, no matter how long they've come to church, most people have not really experienced a life-changing relationship with God. So when they come in, it doesn't matter how much they know, that is still like, oh, okay, like, I can, I can be moved by that. I can learn from that. But I feel like we, for the most part, gear ours towards people who have never, don't know anything. Like you could come in, I've never opened, cracked open a Bible a day in my life, but yet I still feel hopeful by the end, or I still feel like I can relate to maybe somebody in that room. And I 100% agree with Carrie, and this is one of the things, the biggest things I wanted to impress upon you guys is if everybody goes in there with the intention and the purpose of being open and vulnerable about what God's done in their life and sharing the small details of that, not in a, not honestly, not in a churchy way, not in a like, well, blah, 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 or, well, I know some people are like this, but in a, like, I came in, and I was broken, and I was hurt, and I had this and that, and God came in, and you use the scriptures and the verses, because, I mean, Carrie uses a ton of scripture. It's not like it's not a Bible. I mean, it is, but it's like a how do I apply something so very simple to my life, and everybody can be no, it, I can sit there and have been doing this for almost 20 years and be like, oh, 
like I learned something from that or that cut me. And, and then the people who've never opened a Bible before don't feel like, oh man, they're asking questions about like Bible trivia questions. And I don't know that. So I feel left out. But then also it doesn't stop at just the lesson. Yes, we're going to play games or we're going to have a good time. But I would say the people who are the most purposeful and make the most impact are the ones that afterwards turn to people and be like, so how did you feel about that? Or, or like people will come up and be like, so your story was about, you said this happened to you. Like that happened. I mean, I've seen girls like just get up and walk in the other room in full-blown tears and be like, can you bring that girl in here to talk to me? Because no one's ever talked about that before. And that's the same thing that I've been through. And then by the end of the night, they're like, got a study set up, you know, and then you're like, well, now we're going to move you to more of like a Bible study. And we kind of, but as long as people know like the, the, the filtration of that, but I feel like it should be the most open and the most geared towards people who have had zero um, biblical knowledge or whatever. And then if you're going to have people that are going to come in and be like, this is beneath me, but you're either going to crack that facade or they're going to be like, I want to go find a place where we sit around and talk about the Bible and I don't want to talk about me. And, and you, do. yeah, help, help it might not be for them. Hey, so my name is Matthew. Uh, I rode up here with some of the guys from Atlanta. And uh, I'm not sure if we're the only ones, but some of us, I'm sure, have never heard of Cross Chats before now. <laughs> uh, trying to get like some more basic information. So if you could like go over what exactly happens, what your major goals are during the night that you meet up, and uh, things you're trying to achieve, that'd be great. Yeah, they might be a little different. Um, you want to start or you want to yeah, I can start ours, ours may be a little, there will be some differences in some ways. Between. Okay, so first of all, I think one of the ideas behind it is the location and just the idea of being unstructured. But a cross chat essentially is an informal outreach gathering opportunity where you can make a connection or you can bring a guest or you, this friend that you just met in one of your classes. Hey, come, come Wednesday night. We're hanging out. In our, in our case, it's a coffee shop. In another case, it might be a home or something like that. So, hey, we're hanging out at a coffee shop. Oh, yeah, you guys got a coffee shop? What do you do there? Oh, dude, it's just like a party, man. We, we have people come in there every week, and we, we play some games, and we do some of this, and we just have a good time. I mean, you know, yeah, so there's nothing to do on campus for you? Come on out. Just hang out. So it's, it's an opportunity to make maybe a first, first response type of connection, and it's a low-pressure environment if you, if you could kind of – think about that and then on the other side of that people will actually make friends there <laughs> they're looking for friends and they will actually make friends Pe people that uh, uh, maybe don't feel like they have any friends oftentimes so that's kind of a little bit if you want to I'm just waiting and sometimes there's food I'm waiting. I'm waiting. sometimes people just come because you have free food Free food, come here. Yeah, so it's um, low pressure, low key, um, very casual environment for people to come to. And when they walk in, it's not that they think, oh no, this is a church environment and a Bible study, and I'm, I'm not 
to the level of all these people and I have to know all of these things when I really know nothing. But it's just, okay, I'm hanging out with some of my friends, which really turns out to be, you know, 30 to 50 of my friends, but hey, they're my friends, and come hang out with us. And games happen, conversations happen. Um, at some point in there, we all get together for a discussion. Um, this past semester, our, per our topic was perseverance. So each week we did a topic that related to something about persevering. And um, there's a video or you know a funny meme or something lighthearted to get started in the conversation, but it's geared to get people to be open and to be vulnerable about their life and what God has done with their life um, so that the guests that are there can see that happen. And whether it's the first time they've come or until the 20th time that they come when they finally are like, okay, I'm tired of this. Like that, that's me and I need to know, like I don't wanna be this, I don't want this to be my life anymore. I want something to be different and to broach that question or you've talked to the person enough that you can, you know, flip it the other way and ask them about, okay, so this clearly bothered you, like what about this topic is, is aggravating you so much and it's, it's like the entrance way to beginning the deeper relationship so you can get to talk about Christ and the Bible because nine times out of ten, the first, person, the first time you meet somebody, they don't care. They don't care what you know until they know that you care and that's how the relationship builds in a low pressure environment. So for us, uh, I, I'll kind of walk down through uh, what it looks like from when we start to when we finish, but also, so we don't, I know a lot of times like with Bible Talks, because Bible Talks, the cross chats were kind of birthed out of the, a similar thing with Bible Talks with what you guys would do. And uh, we've, we've kind of restructured it over the years because we didn't feel like it was being effective the way we were doing it. So for one thing is we don't do them on campus at all. Uh, we do them in houses and uh, it's a very relaxed, chill environment and so we found that students don't want to be on campus anyway they want to get off campus they want to go somewhere else and do something else so we do it at homes um that's not to say that like i we've done them on campus before i just don't feel like they were as effective as when we moved them off um so when we invite somebody to cross chat you know like they said it's it's pretty relaxed and you know hey come over we have a small you know we, we hang out we eat we have a, a short discussion about the bible we play games sometimes we watch movies sometimes we dance sometimes we sing sometimes we you know whatever it might be but uh yeah you know so they'll show up and they'll come in the front door and it's you know we do it by our small groups so we have small groups so every small group also runs a cross chat because the reason we do that is when they flow into that group it's natural for that group to study the bible with them once they make a commitment and want to be a disciple and are baptized into christ they're going to be a part of that small group so those people are working with them from pretty much go like you know they come to cross chat they study the bible with them they they become disciples they become a part of that small group they go to their discipleship times with the with that small group and then they're doing the same thing for other people with cross chat but when they come in to cross chats on tuesday nights we start at 7.30, and from like 7.30 to 8, 8.15, basically people are just standing around eating, talking, music's playing, it's just, just kind of milling, getting to know people, things like that. We do the study, and again, the study is for us is, I don't want to simplify it to make it sound too simple because it's not in a sense. It's not, it's not technical as far as digging into the word and, and being deep. It's dealing with everyday life issues with the word and it goes deep emotionally but not deep maturity wise to where a guest who is unchurched can't understand it do you see what i'm saying and so during that talk like you know we'll ask a question like we did a series called baggage and and it was all on one lesson was just talking about how everybody has baggage 
And we talked about how even as you look at the word, you see people all throughout God's word with baggage. Then the second one was baggage you picked up. And the third lesson was baggage other people have put on you. So you would be asking questions. What kind of baggage would you say in your life that you carry that you picked up? So one of our members would be like, well, something I did was I went to a party and I got you know, I got hammered drunk and I did something terrible to a friend and this is how it turned out. And I, and that's a decision I live with every day, right? Or I got drunk and I slept with some guy that I didn't know at all. And I woke up and I just felt like a dirty skank who didn't have any value or worth. And people are like, guests are like, Oh my gosh, you know, and then you use the word to work through that. Or for the one baggage somebody put on you, what, what baggage would you say that you've, someone else has put on your back that you've had to carry throughout life? And then one of our members will talk about growing up in an emotionally abusive home, and another one talks about their older brother sexually abusing them. And all of a sudden, the whole thing changes. So it's not that they're not deep. They're just not deep in the sense of trying to fi- find out these deep biblical truths. It's saying this is what God's word does in and through your life. It's deep biblical truths, but it's not like trivia. Like when he asks a question, it's very much so like anyone could answer it. It's not like, so when so-and-so says this, like where is he? You know what I mean? It's not like what, what country did he travel from? Or, you know, it's, you know, you have those times where you're like, you know, sometimes somebody will be like, the, the start of this verse is this. Who can finish it? Like, it's, it's never anything like that. We don't talk about the Greek. We don't talk about, you know. Yeah, it's very, it's very chill. Like, he'd be like, okay, today we're going to read the story of the woman at the well. How many of you guys have ever felt this way before? How, who can relate to this or whatever? And that's why it is very, very important for people to be, for everyone. And I would say Krasha is, it's intentional from the very get-go. It's intentional that you're there on time if you can be there. Like, we have cross-chat snack lists, and it's very intentional. Here's a healthy snack. Here's a, here's like the dessert. Here's bottled water. Here's, you know, whatever, because, yeah, you have different people who come, and it's, you don't want to show up and have, like, 15 bags of chips or nothing. Mm -hmm. Like, there's always a full spread, and, like, sometimes people are like, yeah, but I'm like, it's very intentional. We, we teach our junior hires, like, at cross-chat, be intentional with your snack. Like, if you're on soda and chips, you bring soda and chips because <laughs> it's intentional that you got to sign that. But, you know, from being there, like, seven, you know, be there at 7.30 because if a guest walks in and there's an empty house, the mood isn't there. The vibe isn't there. It feels very awkward to them. But if they walk into a house and everyone's like, hey, then yeah. all of a sudden they're like, oh, okay. Like, you know, there's – you. It, it's very, we always like don't deal with issues during that time. Maybe yeah. you have, you know, maybe you came in and you've got a problem with so-and-so, put it aside. You can deal with it at 11 o'clock tonight. But like while you're here, like make it about the guests that are there. Make it about the people who, you know, somebody needs something. And if you're all in your emotions or you're all stressed out, like I'm not saying nobody ever does homework there, but for the most part, well, you know, they're like. Some people do a lot. <laughs> yeah. you know, on a computer. <laughs> I got a question. Are you thinking about starting a cross chat yourself or something yes, of that nature? Or you have. They have stuff. It's a little different. Yeah. So I was thinking at Georgia Tech, especially where we're at. Yeah. There's a lot of people who do have that need for real friends and honest conversation discussing these deep issues. So I'm not sure what practically that looks like, but very intriguing concept, yeah. Well, I mean, how, how far is your apartment from Tech? Five minutes. It's so, perfect. Yeah, perfect. We've got a plan to uh, start trying it out. 
I think a big thing going off what Matt said is I'm even curious to how do I train my guys to be okay to be that vulnerable because I've encouraged some of them and it's just a big thing where people are like I don't even know how to be that vulnerable with myself I've never experienced this before we're not in an environment where people open up about their emotions it's just so out there concept uh to where you know some of the disciples would be like is this even biblical like why are we talking about it uh so how, how do you build that and foster that I, I think if i were to go on is it georgia tech i i if, if it was me i would probably be thinking okay i have a technical background i'm just assuming that there are some in that that go to that school that have a technical background but i'd be thinking okay how can i narrow the field to where it is more personal hey, okay, I'm going to go pick you up on campus. We're going to ride together in my car, and we're going to get to know each other. So by the time that you get to cross-chat, there is some of that priming of, of the idea of that we're going to establish some expectations for this relationship, that we're actually going to not just do this because it's something to do, but we're actually going to be intentional about uh, where this is going and how open we want to be. Instead of looking at it like, oh, we've got to throw this big cross-chat and everybody's going to be vulnerable publicly in front of everybody. How about just start with one person on the way over there, and then it's a weekly thing. You're not going to run out of cross chats to do. You're not going to run out of lessons. We have a ton of lessons. That's, that's never the issue. The issue is consistency. So if you, if you start, that is the one thing that your group or the team that grows out of those personal connections will continually do on a weekly basis. It's like eating breakfast. So each week that goes by, someone from the outside can count on oh they're serving breakfast you know they're serving me opportunity for relationships they're serving me love it's attractive and I want to if they can do it maybe I can do that too so I think to start with the mindset of okay this comes out of the you the personal side I think that's a that would be a strategy I would probably think about and I, and I think too I mean you guys have a heavy emphasis on discipleship well, what are disciples supposed to do? They're students endeavoring to be like Jesus, who did the most vulnerable thing you could ever do by coming here. He was not vulnerable at all before, and then he comes to earth making himself completely vulnerable. And then look at the people he praised, who other people look down upon. The woman who comes and throws her feet at Jesus's, at his, you know, her head at Jesus's feet and is crying and washing his feet. And he's like, this woman's heart this is where it's at, right? Because she wasn't afraid to be vulnerable and be honest about who she was. And if disciples go into a cross chat with the understanding that this is purposeful, it will help people get closer to Jesus, that if they understand, if I can be honest, it will break down barriers for this person, then it will make it much easier to convince your disciples to do that. Once your disciples start doing that, that opens the floodgates for your guests. It really does. But your disciples need to go in with the understanding, yes, this is uncomfortable. So was the cross. Yes, this is difficult to talk about. But Jesus talked about difficult things all the time. So it's easy for you then to get up there and be personal all the time. What's that? So it's easy for you to get up there and share your, your, your struggles and stuff all the time. I think. Yeah. I think. <laughs> I was going to say, no, I think, I, and this is something, um, 
I think Jess Williams went upstairs, but something she says all the time is it's not your story anymore. Like once you died to yourself, it's not your story anymore. It's not your, it's, it's God's. And if I, it's selfish for me to keep this inside. And I mean, I, I feel like it, it, I well one, once you do it's it so hard. often, it's always difficult to put yourself out there, but it's the matter of doing it in spite of yeah, but once you see the, the result, once you see, like, people, and I, I think it all is example. Like, you know, if the people at the top are like, this is my crap, this is my story, this is what happened to me, then you're going to have some people that are just going to be better at it than others. Like, there are going to be some people that, I mean, there's times when Carrie will send a text message like, what is going on with you guys? Share, be open, like, you're being really tight-lipped or you're being very vague or whatever. And we do have to sometimes remind them like, hey, or you may feel like you talk about this all the time, but some of these people are brand new and they've never heard your story before. So be really specific about it. But I do feel like once you, once you do it and you see the end result and once you see like how it just breaks down barriers with people, like I said, that's what, that's what drew me in. That's what kept me here. Grew up a good girl my whole life, went to church my whole life, and I was about to be, I'm 100% done with it. It doesn't work. And then I came to my first one, and I saw real people being like, this is my stuff. This is my crap. And I was like, man, these people really love each other, but they're also, like, they're not just talking it. Like, they're really, like, it's really changing their life. And I was like, I'm hooked. Like, I'm, I'm here for good because that that really meant something to me. It wasn't just what well, sit around and talk about, you know, the theories or, you know, whatever. It was like, oh, you put these things into practice and your life was there and now you have hope. Well, I want hope too. But it, it, it catches on. Once you have one person start to be like, blah, 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 here's all my stuff. Then other people are like, I can do that. I can do that. And as long as we constantly remember, like I'm dying to myself continually, it, I do feel like it just becomes more of a natural, I find myself telling like people at the gym, like my crap and my story and stuff like that. And, you know, it's just like, it's just a part of who I am. And they'll be like, I don't know what it is about your group that goes to your church, but you guys are all so, you know, and then they'll like put us in a group message and like, we're like family. And I'm like, that's because we're real with each other. That's what, that's the only difference, you know, is that we're real with each other. And that's what drew me in, and that's what I see the, be the most effective. But it, it does start with the example. I mean, from the very head of our, you know, our, our pulpit minister talking about sexual abuse on a regular basis to pretty much everyone in leadership would say, here's my story. It's not mine anymore. It's God's. You can know all my dirt. Sorry. Did you get Jackson? Okay. There's no, there's no person out there that's so difficult to reach that God can't reach them, if that makes any sense. There's nobody, there's like, oh, this one's too hard. God can't do anything with this person. We're going to have to move on. That is just not the case. There, you're never going to run into anyone who is so difficult to reach with the love of God that God can't do it. It, it doesn't exist. It just doesn't exist. So all these problems, if you, you know, all these challenges with personalities or progress and understanding and studies, if, if you put all your focus there, you're going to be missing kind of the point of the power of God. You have to believe that God is bigger than all of these challenges. He's bigger than timing. Somebody might get up there and say something that you weren't expecting or somebody in your group and, you know, you, you don't know what to do with that. And you just, you go with it because God's bigger than that. You just, you just run with it. And I think with, with, with what Josh is saying there, that's what you're trying to show people at CrossChat. 
when your people are really honest, like a lot of people come to cross chats and if they were really but ugly honest, they would say, I don't think God can do anything with me. But when your people are being vulnerable, they see what Josh is saying. When your people are being honest, they're like, oh, if God can do that with these people, he can do something with me. And it's part of, that's part of that opening of that door for them to see that this is something different than maybe they've ever experienced at church before. And kind of going off what you guys were saying, um, when, when I first moved to Springfield, like I didn't know anybody from the college group and I went to my first cross chat uh, with Jeff and, uh, Jeff and Catherine and like, I didn't know anybody there. I really didn't have any friends when I first moved to Springfield. Uh, and we, we just started talking and everybody like shared like a lot of really deep stuff. Like our, our cross chat has like no secrets from like anybody. Like we all share, share a lot of stuff. And, and for a minute I felt at one point I felt like God couldn't use me because of how I was, because when I, when I was, when I was born, um, my, my birth mom did a lot of drinking and a lot of drugs and stuff. And so me and my brother, we got a lot of like brain damage and mental illness stuff. And, and I found out when I was 18, before I moved to Springfield, I was diagnosed with autism. And that was really hard on me because I, I, I grew up in, in elementary school and middle school having people tell me that I could never amount to anything and that I would never be able to graduate high school or anything like that. But I graduated high school a year earlier than I was supposed to because of God. And now I use that story to tell people, hey, this is what God has done for me. This is what he can do for you. So when you get, does it introduce myself? All right. Um, so how do you guys like invite people out to cross chat? So when you're talking to people, how do you explain that to like what it is, what's going on, what to expect? Um, and kind of like just talk about it. It's kind of similar to what you guys would do for Tuesday Night Live, I think, from what I saw at Kennesaw anyway. Um, you know, our people, they meet people in class, they meet people, you know, in their dorms, they meet people at lunch, wherever it might be, and they're just inviting whoever they can to come, and when it's explained, it's just, hey, we do this thing called cross chat, it's real laid back, there's free food, we have a, a small Bible study and talk about, you know, life, and then we all hang out and that, you know, I don't know, is that typical, you guys think, from our ministry? Something like that? It's pretty simple, Brett. Uh, I think one thing that really helps um, is just to, like, talk about the things we do. Like, there's a game we play, it's called Drop Off. We put two people in, like, a car and blindfold them and just drop them around and drop them off somewhere. <laughs> and, like, I in the... And, <laughs> but, so, but they have a team, and they're not allowed to use a GPS, but they call, like, this other car who dropped those other people off, and they have to, like, race to go find them and then race back to the house. And so, like, that's one game we play, or we play, like, a bunch of card games or board games and things like that. And just kind of explain, like, 
what we do and kind of elaborate on the games a lot because people talk, like the food or we talk about like the, like the types that we do. Like we do Taco Tuesdays or like pajama parties and things like that and that really helps out like get people to come to. Yeah, we do theme nights. Yeah. Makes it easier. I think it's not just, you know, um, I don't know if there's a formula to inviting someone or not, but I think if they make a connection with you, that's what does it because you could not tell them important information that they need to know. They're going to figure it out when they get there. But yeah. if they make a connection with you somehow personally and the trust is built, they're, they're probably going to, to maybe consider because you invited them. You made the connection with them. Because um, we have people that aren't like super salesmen or super expert outreach evangelistic people. And they show up with like three or four people. And it's like, how did you do that? I've been doing this for years, and like, you just show up with like five people, you know, out of nowhere. Where'd you find them? I just met them at uh, Taco Bell, <laughs> and they just came. And I'm like, how did that happen, you know? So I don't think there's a formula, but I think there's some. There is a characteristic of being genuine, in in making some personal connection with them, almost like you're not taking them to a place, but you're introducing them to yourself. And even the vulnerability starts there. It doesn't start when you get into a cross-step discussion. It starts the moment you meet them. And I think that's, I think that's how, how you explain it. I mean, there's not really an easy way to do that. With that, we had a guy one time show up at cross-chat. And he came in, and he did not know anyone. And he opens the door, and I'm like, hey, what's up? He's like, um... I'm looking for Big Sexy. Oh, my God. And I was like, as soon as they said it, it, it was packed. There was like 60 people in our house. Like, it was crazy. And as soon as he said it, I was like, oh, my gosh. Alameda. You know, like, you know, you knew it was coming. So, you know, so then somebody goes, hey, where, who's Big Sexy? And Alameda is like, hey, right here. And we're all like, that is not Big Sexy. That is not Big Sexy. I don't care what he calls himself. It's not. He randomly met someone and said, do you want to come to this thing tonight to show up and ask for Big Sexy? And they did. And they came. So. That's so good. That's so good. That's so good. Well, I mean, they want you to go ahead and stand up. Yeah, <laughs> 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 <You're> right. <laughs> Olamide. Okay, I didn't have a clue when they came in. He might have thought about you right away, but I did not. Yeah. Well, like, <laughs> <laughs> Olamide, at least you got it with us, us man folk, you know. <laughs> the lady's like, who? Who is that? I don't know. <laughs> okay. She thought of me. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I, I think it's essential, like, uh, that, that our group leaders, like, you know, let us know that, that, uh, what, what cross chat is, you know, uh, but not just that, like that, that they studied this stuff, you know, <laughs> that they studied it, that it's not, that it did, that it didn't just come out of nowhere. Uh, cause, uh, Catherine and, uh, and Caitlin, they explained it to me like a couple of times because I'm like an evangelistic person. So I'm like, like, you know, why, I, I asked him a question, like, why are we doing this? And you know, stuff like that. <clears throat> and I was kind of confused, but I knew it worked. I knew it worked, but I was like, do we, can we switch up something? But I didn't know that it was like a formula to it or even a meeting. Cause I never been to this. So I think it's good to like, to also keep in mind too, also that there is people, um, 
um, you know, they, they, they do want to study the Bible, but just let them know, just encourage them, like, hey, this is this for a reason. And not, not, just, not just that, like, you know, th- they did a good job in, like, explaining that to me because I thought we was just, like, just chilling and just not really doing anything, but it was, it was intentional. And there's workshops for this, you know what I'm saying? You know, um, just letting the people who want to study the Bible more and let them know that they're not, you know, that that's not a bad thing, you know, that you want to study the Bible more because it's, Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, because a lot like, of people have been persecuted for knowing, trying to know the Bible. You know. Yeah, and I think yeah. most of the time the, converse, the conversation should flow mm-hmm. from the, like he said, the very, like, I know they kind of said, like, it's, um, like, non-pressure, you know, very laid back. But, I mean, in a, in a sense, it is very laid back, but it can get pretty intense, mm-hmm. you know, towards, you know, some people. And um, I probably would say five, six, seven conversations you'll see after like the lesson where people will be talking. They'll be like, Hey, why don't we get together afterwards and talk? And this was even something I know I wanted to even talk to some of our people about, cause I've kind of seen it. Like people might come up to you and have questions that you don't know the answer to. It is totally fine for you to be like, that's a good question. I don't know the answer to it, but I'm going to look into that more. Let's get together later and let's talk about this more. Or I know somebody who knows more biblical knowledge than me because I'm still maybe kind of new in learning this stuff. So let's get together with them later and let's talk about it. Because I have seen some of you guys, like, someone will come up afterwards and be like, so when he said blah, 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 and they're like, um, um, and maybe you're just trying to like say something to just kind of appease them or whatever. But the, and the intention is to always try to move someone into a deeper Bible study. And like, and even like with Carrie always be like, if somebody has been coming across that for two or three weeks consistently, you should have at least brought up studying the Bible. Now, some people will be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That ain't for me yet. I'm not ready for that yet. And that's fine. You kind of have to read the person. But some people come one or two times and they'll be like, I, I need to know more. And you're doing them a dis... Yeah, and Carrie does always say like, hey, at the end, if you have any questions or if this intrigued you, find the person who brought you and ask them about maybe studying or maybe learning more. And I do think that is, that is a good point. That's something that um, sometimes we can just be kind of content with, oh, we had a lot of guests or, oh, that went really well. But remembering that everything has a purpose and the funnel is to move people into a personal, you know, maybe like, hey, you liked this? Well, Sunday morning, we, you know, we come to church with us this Sunday. So it usually goes cross chat, church, sure. study. Some people... I mean, I mean, from our ministry in here got your, had a study set up with you at cross chat like that's yeah where exactly your, where your cross chat where your study got set up for the first time raise your hand real high if that's where you're i think so like and so that's alex isn't in here right but she was almost through the studies before she came to church for the first time so i mean it it, it doesn't always fit like an exact like Whatever, and, it depends on the person, but everything should always be trying to move towards a deeper yeah. biblical yeah. knowledge as well. And sometimes, and maybe you find this happen, is that, like, you know, Kelly's always, you know, in our case, behind the counter, you know, preparing the food sometimes and making a connection there across the bar. And somebody will come in and be like, where's Kelly? Where's your wife? And I was like, oh, she's in the back doing a study with so-and-so. Oh, you guys do studies? Uh, can I do that? Yeah, you can do that. <laughs> you know, so I mean, absolutely. You know, so that sometimes just hearing about that, you know, people are prioritizing studying the Bible with someone even over what's going on at the event that you're putting on. They're like, oh, well, that must be important because 
she's usually here, but she's going to do that. So they'll, they'll start to make the connection that, hey, there's something that we're actually doing here, um, and I want to be a part of that. You know, I've been looking for that. You guys focus on that? That's cool. So... One of the other things that we've seen a lot is that cross chats, they have the same DNA, but they don't always look the same from location to location. And one of the things that we, you also have to kind of build into your people is that constant idea of dying to self. Some people are going to be bringing some weird games or different things like that. You know, uh, case in point recently, we had a group come in doing Dungeons and Dragons. I know nothing of Dungeons and Dragons. I'm a football guy from Georgia. You know, it's like, I know nothing about it, but I dove in and I play with them every week and, that, and it's building up that relationship that goes in there. Use those opportunities when people are bringing in stuff and because they're sharing with you a part of their life and what their interest is and everything along the, go where they go, do what they do. Bring, you know, it helps in the long run so that you can Lord willing, get you into that study. And like I said, each, each one looks different. You know, it might not be Dungeons and Dragons. It could be King of Tokyo. It could be basketball. It could be football. I don't know. just kind of depends on each location. Games are my favorite. Yes. <laughs> Some groups will stay until, like... I hate you. <laughs> Some groups will stay until, like, Yeah. Cross chats will run, like, cross chats are usually, that's one of the things we didn't really talk about, but people show up at 7.30 and a lot of times are there till midnight. Like, it's very, that happens a lot, you know, and if, if cross chat's over at like 10.30, that's an early cross chat usually, you know, like, if people are clearing out 10, 10.30, that's usually an early evening because they get there and they're just having so much fun. The lesson isn't even that long, so if we start at 7.30, hang out till 8, 8.15, the lesson's 40, 40, you know, ish minutes, 45 minutes maybe. Uh, and then, you know, I'd say a half hour to 45 minutes, depending upon who's doing it. Um, but then for the next two, three hours, they're just hanging out and just getting to know people and talking and playing games and laughing at Big Sexy. And <laughs> No, he just said it started at 7.30, but depending on your location and your availability, our people start showing up at 5, 5.30. <laughs> So, and I mean, we tell our people, if you show up at our house two hours early, we're going to lock the door and kick you out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're not going to watch me eat dinner. You just come with me. Come later. <laughs> That's right. I get the end of your table. I think one thing that may have not been mentioned is, is kind of interesting, but the shutdown time. Okay, let's say you do decide to, to incorporate, you know, some, some of your people to, to help clean up. There may be that one person who will not have connected in any other way, shape, or form along the evening. But if they got the opportunity to help you with the dishes or the opportunity to wipe the counters down, they feel connected. And so there are some people who will miss everything else, but you have to invite them to do some of the hard stuff too because that's where they shine. You know, and it's not bad to actually get a bunch of people who like to do the hard stuff, to be honest. Because <laughs> uh, there's a lot of people who don't want to do that stuff. So it doesn't hurt to, to try to think, see that as not just grunt work or nobody wants to do that. There are some people that are attracted to that. Albeit very few. But <laughs> it does happen, and it, it can mean the world to that person. Um, yeah, or in the setup process, you know. 
you all intentional with your cross chats on like the number of people? Because I mean, we've had 10, 15, 20 at the cross chat, we've had 40 or 50, but if there's too many, yeah. you know, the discussion kind of dies in the process, so we've split them. What do you all yeah. do as far as number of people showing up and, and having multiple cross chats? Huh? I don't know what you were saying. Well, I would say yes. I mean, if a group gets too big, it's too crowded, it's too hot, then we we would try to split. We try not to we try not to kill a mood or a vibe though. If something's really working really well and like everybody, you know, we don't want to like completely split it in half and then people come to like, yeah, like it's like, you know, the walls are shaking to coming and sitting around having like 10 people just stare at each other. Like, so I do think we, we try to be intentional with that. We usually reassess at semester because like I said, you don't want to kill something like somebody might be coming and kind of gelling with somebody, but as the year, the semester goes on, they're like, oh, well, I actually have that class. Let's let's be study buddies together, or I like to run, let's run together, where they may not have maybe came in with that. So I would say not to, not to worry about it to the extent that it will kill a mood or, um, or that it'll maybe, like, separate groups. But, I mean, that's why we keep ours with the small groups. And so, I mean, I think at any given time there's six-ish, six-ish crosshats going on. Um, and then every once in a while we'll do like a full group one and especially towards the end of the year, we'll do them in the parks, like the last three, I think together to kind of get that big group vibe because sometimes it's cool for people like, oh, this is cool. This is a nice group of like 30, 40 people. But then when it's like 150 together, they're like, oh, okay. Like, so this is a part of something that's even bigger, but, um, but yeah, we are, I would say we're, we're, we try to be pretty intentional on that. When right. we get together for a zone, we usually kind of go through it. If somebody's really, really struggling too, like maybe like people really aren't grasping like the purpose as much, maybe stick in two groups together so that maybe one that, one that, I mean, you are going to have an Alameda who's going to be a care, you know, very charismatic, very, like you said, you can just walk up to a random stranger and be like, hey, you want to come and bring a car full of six people? Whereas somebody like me, it's going to take me, it could take me a half a semester to get someone <laughs> to come to something. But, you know, so sometimes we will be a little bit more strategic with those type of things. And it's relative to your scope of control. You can't control who comes and who doesn't, but you can kind of control, not control, but you can encourage your core team you can't control how many guests show up because one week it might be 30 and the next week it's 45. And incidentally, I, at least for us, if it goes like above 45, it does get a little crazy. You know, there's so much going on in the background, you know, that's just, but that's an opinion, you know. Some of you are like, oh, I love that energy, you know. But, um, you know, then in those situations, sometimes we'll have to pull out a microphone if there are 45 people because they aren't going to hear me, you know, just talking. But... You can't control who comes and who doesn't because one week you change it up and then now you've split the group too much and you've gone, you've miscalculated. I, I think what you can do and I think what is useful is if you have four or five core people or however it is for you, don't agitate that consistency. So if, it, if, if you're going to do it, try to keep some semblance of communication because Guests are watching how you communicate. They're watching how you treat each other. And if you don't care about your team members, if you're not able to work with them and you don't communicate with them, they say it as, well, they don't really care about each other. Why, why are they going to care about me? So I think don't agitate 
if you, if you do split up, have a group that sticks there, you know, instead of swapping them back and forth every every time you think there's going to be a need to change it. But one thing we've done too, I kind of knew the answer a little bit. I just wanted to ask for everybody, uh, especially you guys from Atlanta that are like just starting stuff up. The uh, one thing we've done too is we were like we'll play the games together, eat together, and then split up into two rooms if they're like, oh my goodness, there's way too many people. We've done that before. Yeah, and then have two group leaders, yeah, go into two different rooms and you know, one meet in the living room. One meet <laughs> We used to have one upstairs and downstairs for because it, the cross chat exploded one semester, and we were literally having like sixty some people in a, in our little split level house. So we were doing like half of them upstairs and half of them downstairs for the actual lesson part, and it was nuts. And then after that semester, we split that small group and sent them to another location. So because it, it was just crazy. does it work in terms of uh, going back? I think one of the, there's several things, and this might be because it's a different environment. At Georgia Tech, uh, people are very busy, um, and there's already an environment of culture of we don't know how to communicate with our friends in class if it's not about schoolwork. Um, but people don't feel like they have the time. So I guess that kind of ties into, you know, how would you share about this with somebody who's unchurched and they hear Bible discussion and that instantly turns them off or they're just like, I'm so busy or I'm a part of this already. I don't need another church because it's the Bible Belt South. I don't need another church thing. Um, Are you in the technical field as well? Uh no. Oh, okay. I just, I, I work with a, a bunch of engineers. Um, but imagine the stereotype for an engineer, and that's the university. So. <laughs> that's awful. That's actually what I did. So, yeah, reaching out, reaching out to, to those guys. Um, I, I'll even, you know, be honest, and I, you say, you know, yeah, invite them out to your house. You know, get, I'm like, how do you get them off campus? How do you um, get them away from their books? Uh, and I, I'm even part, I'm like, how do I get the disciple? how do I even convince the disciples to stay till one in the morning to hang out with people? Well, I don't think you have to hang out that late. <laughs> that just happens. Now, but you might be surprised. It might grow into that once it begins because yeah. people realize they enjoy it. And... People find an hour for our Bible talk to be, wow, this is a big chunk out of my schedule. Okay, so my freshman year, I was taking 21 credits, and I was in pre-med. And I was all about school, like was on a full ride and everything. But it, and I know this, I know it just sounds too simple, but when I saw the relationships of the people who asked me to come on campus, it was such a vast difference in the way they cared about each other, the way they treated each other, that for me, it was worth it to take that night aside to come and check it out. 
And I, I, like I said, I know it sounds simple, but when the, you know, the, the Bible says, like, they'll know we're Christians by our love, and they'll see the way that we, you know, we treat each other. And it was just, it was phenomenal, like, the way they were at the lunch table and stuff, and the way they just, it were, people were truly concerned about me as a person, and being somebody who was so academic, and so, like, performance-based at all times, like growing up in that family where it was like, you're going you're gonna to graduate in this many years and you're going to get that done. That was just like my first true taste of somebody really caring about me as a person. And it was enough for me to be like, okay, like I, I'll check that out. And I don't know how it, I am not in, in any way, shape, or form, any kind of technical, like, you know, that, but I was like hardcore student. I mean, that was something that the whole time I studied was like, what do you need to die to? I need to die to this like school perfectionism like stuff and not make it such a big deal. But it's just, there's just something about seeing people's relationships and seeing them be, you know, especially if you're that way too. Like we have a daughter who's straight A's, all AP classes, whatever, but it's all, but she's always made like this a top priority. So other kids like in school are like, well, you're not going to study for this. She's like, well, not on this night. This night's my cross chat night and blah, blah, blah. And I just think if you set forth, you know, like it's, it's part of your life, then people are like, well, if it's that important to you that you're willing to put that above studying for like a couple hours one night or to get out and you make it fun enough and there's the relationships there or something that's so different than what the world has to offer. It's just, it's just very enticing. And I, uh, this is one thing I did want to say is it, it just, it, for those of us who are disciples, who have made that commitment, like I've seen people be like, well, we're going to watch a movie like this. My guest really wants to watch a movie. And they're like, I've already seen that movie. So I'll just go home. I think that's pretty rare, but sometimes you do see it. But for the most part, people are like, well, I might've seen that movie five times, but if they want to see it and that's what the group's going to do, then that's what I'll do because that might be what it is. Or, you know, like they said, like playing something, but it's constantly being like this night is that night that is not going to be about me. Yeah. How many times have you watched Moana in the past few weeks? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's no, funny. How many Six. times have you watched Moana in the past few weeks? Six. Six. Wow. How many hours is that? Twelve. Twelve. Twelve, right? <laughs> so you shouldn't have a hard time convincing disciples who have 12 hours to watch Moana. You see what I'm saying, though? In all seriousness, it, it's all calling them back to the thing that they committed to in the beginning. Right, you know that's it. you quit your job, right, Taj, because you wanted to pour more time into the kingdom. That's not an easy decision to make, but it's a decision you made because you believe that was going to advance the kingdom of God. If you get your disciples to understand this can help advance the kingdom of God, you don't have to convince them to spend two hours there because they're gonna they're gonna see the value and the benefit of it because it's something they already committed to. And and you're gonna have very strict limitations on what you can do or motivate someone to do. I think being honest with yourself and realizing that God is the one that's going to break down these walls, you know, as you trust him and you do what he's asked you to do, there, there's just a very limited amount that you're going to actually accomplish that, that God says, you know, this is what I'm going to do. And uh, just coming to that realization helps, helps put, thing on the, put things in the right um, context. Because when, you, when you're talking about degrees and you're talking about the pride and the arrogance that comes across comes with, you know, and the pedigree, you know, come being smart. And then you place that next to God, it doesn't compare. And it, it never will. And I think, I think that's the context that we have to walk into this as, is that God is the one that's going to do the things that seem impossible. 
it seems impossible to be social with an engineer. Oh, he can do that, <laughs> you know, or whatever. Whatever stereotypical uh, challenges that may arise, is the, the, focus, the focus oftentimes is, well, how do, I, how do I work within this unfamiliar language or territory when a lot of it is being confident about your God? You need to show up with confidence that God is, has the power to do, and that confidence, whether you speak the language that they speak or not, is going to project and the, the, the people that you, you reach one person, that one person will reach 10 people that you cannot in that environment. Um, let's say you're not an engineer, but you have one person, the engineer, that sticks with your group and eventually becomes a Christian. You might reach 10 engineers that you never could reach because you, you, you don't speak a language. You're not, it's not something very common to you. So. And, I mean, I'm not being funny again, but, I mean, I saw you all's game shelf right? There's shelf. It's like a shelf that's like packed full of games, right? And most of the guys who live in your apartment are tech guys, right? Yeah. Okay. So like, it's a ma- again, it's a matter of finding those, th- those ways to connect. If they'll sit down and play games for two hours, then th- make that part of your cross chat or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Co-ed and video that, game night. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> we, everyone. Okay. She has to go pick our son up from school. Bye. Bye. Love you. <laughs> so uh but I was gonna say games that they Yeah, you know with the games and things that they connect to, but also people have time to do what they want to do. We make time to do the things we want to do. So really the question, especially for the disciples, becomes do I want to do this? And and then it, what it comes boils down to is am I gonna be selfish enough to say I don't want to do something that's gonna advance the kingdom? And what's like a practical way of just casting that vision and even just going off? I'm sorry, brother. What's your name again? John. John. Oh, man. How did I forget that? Um, <laughs> it's in the Bible. <laughs> uh, like, I, I was just talking to Matt when he shared, and I'm like, that's what, like, tech people need to hear, and that's what we need to share. And I'm like, I don't even know how to articulate something like that, or I've never heard any of our guys articulate something like that. So, I, I mean, I'm, I'm here, I, I'm, all, I'm like, I'm all for this, but how do I kind of share this and show this? You start. Yeah, I think part of it comes from your small group, too, because if you have a small group and you're being open and honest with that small group, there's a set group of people that know your crap and know what you're going through and have your back, so that when you're in a group of 30, 50, whatever people, and you still open up and share it, like especially starting out the first time, scary as all get out, yeah. But there's a couple people, you know they got your back, and if you need to go scream in the bathroom afterwards, girls, guys, do whatever guys do, but <laughs> then, like, they'll be there for you. And because it's not just once you enter cross chat, you're open and vulnerable. It has to be the environment that's created throughout your entire ministry. We're going to find John in the bathroom afterwards. <laughs> no, but I think she's exactly right. I think sitting down with your group of guys, if you, guys, if you feel like even you guys have difficulty doing that, sitting down and being like, all right, what, should, what, are, what are our deep hurts in our lives? And start discussing those things with each other. Okay, well, how has God helped heal, heal those hurts? And get it all out with you guys. That way, the next time you're around some people at a cross chat, you're much, it's much more likely that you're going to be able to look at the guys across. And when a question is asked like that, you're going to look across and you're going to be like, oh, they know what I should be saying right now. Now I've got to say it. But, um, you know, we're uh, actually out of time, but, you know, we can uh, discuss these things later as well. But start doing it with who you have now. Yep. All right. 